It's 2017. You're in London, one of the busiest cities in the world with some of the most popular restaurants. It's almost the weekend and you want to book a table for you and your friends. But you're looking for something different. Somewhere you or no one you know has ever been before. You go online, start scrolling, and then you find it. The Shed at Dulwich is a highbrow upmarket eatery in southeast London that is a, an appointment-only restaurant. That's Uber Butler. He's the owner of The Shed at Dulwich. You have to apply to be, to be seated there. Um, the tagline for it is like, oh, you're allowed to know about London, the best kept secret. And I just pretended like we'd been open for a long time. And like the, so that and that it existed and people you might well, used to hear about it. As well as being super exclusive, the shed's take on cuisine is very different from your usual high-end restaurant. It is a place that serves uh, moods instead of meals, so you can order <laughs> can order contemplation or uh, or. Comfort, which was soup served in an Egyptian cotton bowl. That's right. Contemplation. I don't even know what that tastes like. And soup served in a bowl made from Egyptian cotton. Yeah, this place was out there. The weirder it is, often the like more people go for it. And at that time, there was nowhere more popular in London than The Shed. It's the number one rated restaurant has been the number one rated restaurant in London on TripAdvisor. And there are thousands and thousands of restaurant reviews on TripAdvisor in London alone. TripAdvisor still is, I think, still the biggest tourist platform on earth, I think. It was definitely at the time that I did this. But here's the thing. The restaurant that Uber's talking about, it wasn't real. All the things I just said, as a, as a, in a sense, are true, but they're, they're, they're not in a larger sense. I mean, the shed doesn't exist. It's a fake restaurant. I'm Alzo Slate, and this is Cheap, the podcast where we ask, is it ever okay to break the rules? This week, how to create a successful restaurant without serving one customer. Long before The Shed at Dulwich existed, Uber dreamt of becoming a journalist. And like most young writers, his first paid work wasn't exactly groundbreaking stuff. One of the first gigs that I did was writing fake reviews for restaurants on TripAdvisor. <laughs> so, like, they would pay me, like, I think the equivalent of, like, I don't know, $10, $15 or something. And then I would say, I'd been to this restaurant, it was fantastic, leave a five-star review and I'd get a little bit of money. Uber grew up in Reddit, a small town in the northeast of England, far away from the bright lights of London's busy restaurant scene. So a job like this, Uber was making it up as he went along. I was still probably living at home with my parents and uh, I was like, I'd never been to nice restaurants. So I was having to go on the website for the restaurant and kind of try and come up with an idea of what an evening there might look like and then looking at other reviews on the TripAdvisor page and then basing things on that. Like, you know, whatever. If, if, just anything to make it believable. I mean, it was that was kind of the, the criteria. And so they were they were paying you to do this? Yes, yes. Writing these fake pieces 
They made Uber question the power of online reviews and what happens when people take advantage of that power. If I'd search up like, oh, should I go to this place? And then, you know, you'd look up the reviews and see how, whether you could trust it and then think, okay, cool. I'm going to curate my experience and my evening and my life based upon this thing. Um, to see that that thing was being manipulated was kind of fascinating to me because if the rankings for these restaurants are complete false, then you can always, <laughs> you can always kind of control people's decision-making and their, their lives if you can manipulate it. And as I could see, the people were manipulating it. In 2015, Uber left his small town and moved down to London, still committed to making it as a writer. And he got work with one company in particular. I started doing stuff with Vice and stuff that was all quite strange and off-kilter. And during that time, when I started to slowly make a bit of a living from doing writing, that was when I started thinking about the TripAdvisor again and just how far fakery would take you on that platform. Uber knew how to convince strangers online that he had had a five-star night at a restaurant that he never visited. And that made him think, what else is possible? It started out just like simply like, could you get a fake restaurant verified on this platform? So in April of 2017, that's exactly what Uber set out to do. Step one, the restaurant needed a name. I lived in a garden shed in London uh, because, you know, London's, it's like New York, it's really expensive and moving down is tricky and an affordable place I could live was somewhere that was like a garden, a shack out the back of someone else's house. And now I look back, I'm like, I'm really glad that I chose that name rather than another one because the shed is like, there's a lot of fancy places called the shed. Uh, isn't the one in Manhattan as well? There's a shed there, I believe. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's like, it, it's, there's something about it. I don't know why it seems like people like it. Step two, in order to set up the listing, Uber's fake restaurant needed a phone number. I just went to the local shop and bought like a burner phone and whatever and just got like a shed line. And then you needed a website. Uber and his friend did a photo shoot and uploaded photos of the food menu to the shed's fancy new website. It was all meant to look like real high-end stuff, like pan-fried shallots with a side of sea foam. But in reality... If you uncrop the image, you could see that it was like actually like urinal pucks with like uh, uh, stones from a fish tank and like <laughs> and like bleach and uh, basically things that would kill you if you ate them. Or like another thing was like a ham hock dish, like a photo of that and uncropped, that was like an egg on my foot, which is objectively... <laughs> it's objectively disgusting. Bro, bro, are you serious? <laughs> uh, An egg on your foot, that was a ham hock dish? It, it was a ham hock. Now, to be clear, this place where everything went down, it was literally... A shed. Uber was living in a wooden shack in his landlord's back garden, surrounded by overgrown grass. It had indoor plumbing and electricity, but it was tiny, or as Uber advertised, cozy. Not exactly your typical location for a restaurant. But within a few days, the shed at Dulwich was verified on TripAdvisor. So then the goalposts shifted and it became like, how high can I get this restaurant on their ranking system? 
Uber had a simple but ambitious goal. He wanted the shed at Dulwich to be the number one rated restaurant in London on TripAdvisor. So then I sent an email to all of family and friends, people that I knew, just saying, like, can you leave five stars? Like I did back in the past when I got paid to do it. Yeah, I was about to say, you asked them to do what you did back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but I wasn't paying them. Yeah. <laughs> that was the difference. <laughs> I was being stingy. But, uh, like, yeah, I sent them all an email. I sent a lot of people an email just sort of saying, hey, can you write reviews for this restaurant and write them with this in mind? Like, you know, al fresco dying. <laughs> it was really hard to get a table, but when you did, it was incredible like all this stuff and uh yeah slowly we just like the, the, the reviews started drifting through <laughs> and it was like we started climbing the rankings pretty quick like there's 18,000 restaurants in london we started at the bottom of the pile and like like yeah how did it feel to see your bootleg restaurant up on TripAdvisor <laughs> rising well it was like it all felt a distant kind of like like it did back like didn't feel real that's what I would say and that's why it feels like a lot of things online well it definitely wasn't real <laughs> no but like it didn't feel like it, it felt like a game and then like that changed obviously when one day the phone rang and like it wasn't the phone uh, like my phone it was the phone that I would bought for the restaurant from like the local supermarket and um, yeah on the other end of that phone was like an actual human trying to book a table <laughs> at my non-existent <laughs> restaurant the restaurant had gotten high enough in the ratings that people started to notice quite a, a posh lady I remember <laughs> and um, and like yeah they were taught they, they were just saying like hello I would like a, I would love an appointment this Friday um, I know it's so difficult to get a table, but it sounds perfect, and I love the mood mood menu and, <laughs> and all this stuff. And it was it was just amazing because she was talking to me in the terms of my mythology, like this stuff I'd asked my family and my friends to reference in their reviews. It was like being repeated back to me as like a kind of gospel. So at this point, had you really considered the fact that you may have to entertain actual guests and cook some food, or were you just no? You, you hadn't? No. No, not not in the slightest. I, I felt terrified. At first, I just panicked and I just went, I'm sorry, we're fully booked. And I like, put the phone down. But Uber's burner phone didn't stop ringing. The more reviews it got, the more people wanted to get a table at the shed. It all became this like kind of... <laughs> started falling into exactly what like happens at fancy restaurants which is like um, you know the more exclusive <laughs> it is the more people want to come and the buzz around Uber's fake restaurant well it almost took a life of its own People started leaving reviews who I didn't know who they were, like five star reviews. Almost like wait a, a minute, wait a wait a minute. So these, <laughs> so it's one thing to have your family leave the fake reviews, but now people want to be so into what is now trendy that they're putting themselves in it as if they've eaten at your place and leaving reviews. Yes, that is psychologically ridiculous. Yeah, I don't understand it. I think. Is it like so they can say they've been to the restaurant? Yes, I think so. Yeah. And it's and it, I also think it's probably ego-driven. I knew that they were nothing to do with me because I've been quite careful about who I asked to do this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it was odd. After he realized that total strangers were leaving their own fake reviews, saying they too had spent a night at the shed, it became clear to Uber how much people want to be part of something exclusive. 
there's something kind of very human about wanting something you can't have. And to see how much of a bearing you say before, like people's desire to want to go here was all shaped by what they'd read online. After five months, the shed was getting attention outside of just TripAdvisor. I had someone from the local council who talked to me and offered me another spot in an area they were gentrifying to come and open up another branch of the shed. No way. No, seriously, <laughs> seriously. And like the and like PR companies wanting to represent me for like nothing. And um, I remember a TV show wanting to come and film at the shed and do like a thing. And the calls for reservation requests, they just kept pouring in. The sheer volume of people who were trying to get a table was nuts. And like, and it, the, the clientele had moved from like, oh, you know, old lady, kind of local posh lady to like, now it was like influencers, people in the city, tourists, like people, it was like, it shifted. And nobody had eaten at this place yet. No, no, it was a complete fiction. It was, it was completely made up. And then Uber's hard work pays off. More on that after the break. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. In November of 2017, six months after launching The Shed, Uber was back in his hometown of Redditch, catching up with his family for a few days. I just remember being sat in my parents' living room, and it was just like, yeah, I looked on the listing, and yeah, it was it was the number one rated restaurant out of 18,000 restaurants in London. <laughs> and I literally just, like, screamed. And I was like, ah! <laughs> it's making not much sense. <laughs> So to, to be clear, you got your fake restaurant to be the number one restaurant in London on TripAdvisor without having served any food whatsoever, having seen any customers right. whatsoever. Yeah, I basically just said no to everybody. That That is that. <laughs> that's all I'd done. Uh, <laughs> I'd had hundreds of people trying to book a table and I, yeah, I just said no. Uber's goal was complete. It was the ultimate prank. A restaurant that didn't exist was more popular and more trendy than every Michelin star place in the city. But that's not where this story ends. Oh, no. Uber wanted to take this to the next level. Lying on the internet is one thing, and it just felt like I'd done so much work creating this perfect restaurant in people's minds through you lying online, basically. And it was like, could you transform that and make it a reality? How would people react to that? So he came up with a plan. For one night only, the shed at Dulwich was going to be a real restaurant and serve real customers. But this restaurant would be like everything else Uber had done, an exercise in absurdity. The real question was, would anyone buy it? Well, first... Uber needed to make a shoddy garden in South London passable for the best restaurant in the city. 
I borrowed a load of chairs and tables from a cafe up the road from where I was living at the time. And they, they said, look, you can borrow these things, but you need to get them back for tomorrow at like 9am. But yeah, fine. Okay, that was that. Then it was like like heaters because it was really cold. And inside where I lived in the shed was like a dive. So it was like, it, it was not obviously not a restaurant. So I didn't want people eating in there and there wasn't enough space. So we had to have them eating al fresco outside. Then Uber invited eight people from a long list of reservation requests. We had a table of two who were locals who'd been trying to get a table for three months. Uh, we had a table of four who were from like a huge fashion agency in London who uh, I had to blur their faces and stuff. Uh, but then we had a table of two who were like newlyweds from sunny California. And they were like, the night before they'd been eat- eating on the banks of the Seine in Paris. And then <laughs> <laughs> on this November evening, uh, they were they were going to be eating at the shed. You keep saying we had eight customers we had heaters you're you're speaking as if you are the owner (laughs) and you have a full staff of a real restaurant (laughs) who who is this we that you're speaking of that's really funny i didn't i I didn't think about that is it my way of making myself not feel responsible for this uh or is it just that i've lost my mind um maybe a bit of both okay so what it was was it was so at the time, at the time I had someone filming, but they weren't participating really in the putting together the restaurant. But someone was filming me, my friend Adrian from Vice. That's one. And Uber convinced a couple of friends to work for him for the night. A friend of mine called Phoebe, who I roped into this, uh, she was a waitress on the evening. And then we had, uh, we had, we Jesus, I had. I need to get over this. Um, <laughs> And then I had a friend of mine who worked around the corner at a really fancy restaurant called Joe. He's a really good guy, an amazing chef. And he was like, oh, man, like, can we not just serve them lovely food? But Uber didn't want to serve lovely food. He wanted to see just how far he could push things. I was like, well, I want to serve them microwavable TV dinner, ready meals, but made to look nice and fancy. To extend the illusion, so it was like 99 cent mac and cheese, but made to look like with edible flowers and micro herbs and things like that. And cup of soups that were like, it was like, like it, it was like the kind of thing that people would have eaten in the war. It was like really bad stuff, mm-hmm. but it was all part of the game. Uber also invited 10 actors for the night to play customers. Their job was to loudly proclaim how great the food was and how much they loved the shed. Uber told his guests that this was a promotional evening, so he didn't take anyone's money. We didn't charge anything. It was, and that was kind of intentional because I do feel like with this stuff, the moment that you start involving money, it loses, I don't know. It just starts to feel like something else. And of course, the shed had to sound like a real restaurant too. I had a DJ who's my friend, Leo, and we had we build him as DJ Sambience, and he was playing the sound of a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> but he also had a sample pad with a ding of a microwave on, and that was to cover up like the dings from the actual microwave. The real microwave. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like he had the sound of a actually, you know, shout out New York. We had a sound of a New York eatery. 
But like, so when people were coming down the garden, they thought they were pulling up to like a really nice, like, like happening restaurant. But it was actually just the sound of a restaurant being pumped out of speakers going down the garden. And remember, this is an artisanal restaurant. So Uber wanted his customers to be exposed to a true farm-to-table experience. I remember going to Vice and be like, could I have like 500 pounds to hire a chicken man, please? And they're like, what are you talking about? To hire a what? A who? Like an animal handler, a chicken man. So this guy named Trevor, a.k.a. the chicken man who owns and breeds chickens, also joined for the night. We had chickens running around. And what we said to them was that, you know, normally we do pick your chicken, like lobsters at a fancy restaurant. Uh, (laughs) But tonight we're trying a new menu, so, uh, you know, they won't be available tonight. Yeah, trying to enjoy your dinner while chickens are pecking at your shoes. It's not exactly like picking lobsters at a fancy restaurant, but all right. I really wanted everyone to leave the restaurant feeling like this was the best restaurant in London. And I knew that it was within touching distance, that achieving that as a goal. I was somewhere in between, like this could, someone, if one of these people just, if the spell breaks and one of these people just stand up and stands up and goes, well, what is going on? Then it, it will, the whole thing will fall apart. But things didn't fall apart. By all accounts, a real night at the shed at Dulwich was a success. We've been trying to like get hold of them for maybe two months, and then they said they had a table tonight, so we just came down. And it's like a really unique place. It's in a shed. It's quite hard to, to get a table. So here we are, and it's really quite cool. Um, we saw a couple of photos um, online that people had posted, and it just it looked really interesting, and we're down to try the London food. <laughs> Every step of the way, I always expected this to fail. And then it just, by the end of the evening, I was seeing out like the last guests. And I thought the guy didn't look very happy, the table of four. And he said to me, he was like, so about tonight, now that we've been once, is it going to be easier for us to book again next time? Oh. (laughs) And that, that like crystallized for me that like, yeah, I think day we do trust online hype more than what we put in our mouths. Now that the night was over, it was time for everyone to find out the truth. That's coming up after the break. In January of 2018, the news of Uber's fake restaurant went public. Vice had been filming Uber's experiment, and when the documentary was released on YouTube, it went viral. And I remember just like the impact it had was just so like completely mind-blown and completely life-changing. Uber spent 20 hours doing back-to-back interviews with national radio, television, and newspaper reporters. And social media ate the story up, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Rennie Red Zeppi, who runs Neymar, the, the fanciest restaurant in the world, you know, the Copenhagen one. They charge a lot of money to people to eat there. People travel from all over the world. He, he tweeted about it. Saw it as a critique of restaurant culture, of online reviewing culture. And then I feel like a lot of the people who I used to work with when I worked in restaurants really enjoyed it because they were like, finally, someone's called out TripAdvisor on their bullshit. And that, like, the online reviewing culture thing that 
we, we accept nonsense. And my only regret is that I didn't go even further with it, to be honest. Uber's prank got people talking. For years, food critics and bloggers have made a living telling us what's good and what isn't, what's worth spending our money on and what makes something a hit. But Uber managed to do this without serving a single dish. And when he did, the reviews for The Shed were so good that no one even questioned the fact that they were being served pre-made supermarket meals in someone's garden. Uber's customers were happy enough just to get their foot in the door at somewhere everyone wanted to be seen. Since Uber's fake restaurant project took off, he's continued to work with Vice on more pranks, like sneaking into Paris Fashion Week under a fake alias. I kind of always sort of loved knockoff brands. Like you'd be walking around a market and you'd see like uh, Pierre Klein and uh, Adi Hash and uh, Mikey. But there's one brand in particular that Uber loves most of all, Giorgio Peviani. It's an Armani ripoff that doesn't really sound like Armani. It just sounds like a random Italian dude. But people wear it. So in London, people wear this brand. And for me, it was like, this was like a successful fashion brand, but it was never taken seriously. Uber wanted to see if he could change that. In June of 2018, he bought a stack of $20 Giorgio Peviani jeans and headed to Paris Fashion Week. I made a website for it, I made business cards. And after three days kind of just talking nonsense um, as Giorgio Peviani, you know, I had influencers who were, who were kind of like having like distributing the product, marketing the product through their channels, accepting it as like high fashion, like journalists, like models, people like that. And um, I, was, I was invited to go and sit in uh, on the front row of Vivian Westwood. Uber had done it again. He'd proven that online hype can have a huge influence on what we think. Fashion is another space where, like, these jeans that were on a market and they were, like, you know, $15, $20 jeans, whatever they were, you know, no one would stop and look at them. But as soon as they were at Paris Fashion Week, being, like, you know, shown amongst all this stuff in that right context with the right people, people attached a massive value to these, to these jeans. And so, in that respect, like, are we more gullible than we'd like to believe? And do you think social media has made us more like sheeps than we'd like to believe? I think we're generally quite trustful creatures, right? I feel like we want to trust the people that we, the things that we come into contact with. And, you know, in, in general, in our day-to-day -day lives, I feel like we're more skeptical than we are online. You know, buying into the hype of restaurant culture, we often want the carefully curated, hard to access experience. And this story throws all of that on his head. For some reason, we're obsessed with authenticity, but in reality, our definition of it skews really close to ideas of things being elite and hard to get or of the best quality. But why do we put our faith into a bunch of strangers to determine what the best of quality is? Now, I'm sure there's plenty of honest folks who make honest reviews on websites like TripAdvisor, but there's also brands and restaurants who've clocked the system and hired people like Uber to do it for them. And then we fall into a position where we might see somewhere online and think, oh, this restaurant has a waiting list of three years. It's gotta be good. And the same logic could apply to fashion too. You see a brand that all the celebrities are wearing and has the most hype online, 
And you just assume it must be good quality. But does that mean we attach our self-worth to material items, especially those others deemed popular? And in that way, we could be shooting ourselves in the foot because so many of us end up spending money we don't have to impress people who don't even know us. And if they do, they probably don't even care. Hey folks, thanks for listening. Just a reminder to follow Cheap wherever you get it. And please do leave a rating and a review if you like what we're doing. It helps other people discover the show. And of course, we want more listeners. Also, if you want to listen to the show without the ads, you can subscribe to Cheat Plus. It's like cheap, but better. It's just $2.99 a month, or if you're in the UK, £2.49. And you get all of this without having to listen to those annoying commercials. Just go to Apple Podcasts and hit subscribe instead of follow. You can try it for free now. Next time on Cheat. You know, close to 99% of all guardianships are for good. I mean, they are needed. It's the 5 to 1% that really go bad. And when they go bad, they go real bad. Cheat is presented by me, Alzo Slade. This episode was produced by Olivia Cope. The executive producers are Lizzie Jacobs and Tom Koenig. The series editor is Megan Dietrich. The original idea for the show was developed by Tom Fuller. Mixing and scoring by Martin Peralta at Output Media. Kyra Asabe Bonsu is our associate producer. Special thanks to the Sony legal team. Our production coordinators are Jennifer Mystery and Iker Egbatola. <laughs>